Now for something completely different. We're gonna bring, bring, bring it all together. Cause this is the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Apparently the band doesn't want to stop playing. Guys, yeah, cut, cut. I don't know what the the signal is, but yeah. Miss Judy, please take your meds this morning or I won't bring in any food containers that I owe you to hold that delicious Judy Skeddy. Using the term delicious very loosely. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call in and join in on the conversation for the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. You can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, you better turn up your volume pretty loud today. Because you can't hear anything, we can't hear anything either, because we got all the money in our ears. If you listened to this show yesterday and you didn't cash any tickets, or you don't have a little bit more fatter pockets today than you had yesterday, shame on you. That's all I'm going to say. All of our experts from Saturday, Brian Howard of Stable Duel, our official bottom line horse racing expert, Peyron Harris of Richmond, and yes, even our nemesis, Dead Air Dennis Dillon, of Classic Rock 92.1. All of them gave you winners in the Belmont yesterday. We gave you a winner in the NBA last night and an underdog winner in Major League Baseball. So if you didn't cash tickets yesterday, that's your own fault. Later on in the show today, our good friend Anthony Combs will join us and help us try to make some money in a different way than normal here on this show. The collectible sports card industry is on fire right now. There's even been some recent robberies here in the central Kentucky area. And we'll talk to Anthony about how schmucks like us can cash in on the collectible sports card craze that's going on everywhere right now. And, of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All this and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio experience. But first... 1990, 31 years, that's a long time. Do you remember where you were in 1990, 31 years ago? We're very proud on this show. We have listeners of all ages that tune in to the bottom line. You could have been a grown adult in the real world in 1990. You could have been a teenager like me. You might not have even been born yet. 1990 was a long time ago. In May of 1990, I was one month away from leaving the phone. There's a $5 fine for my phone being on. I was one month away in 1990, in the May of that year, of leaving the farm, leaving Madison County, and heading to Atlanta. Yeah, there was no culture shock there when I got there. None at all, whatsoever. But times were different then. We had no internet, unless you count the USA Today, the first internet. We didn't have smartphones. We couldn't look up stuff. We didn't have videos. We didn't know anything that was going on in the real world, basically. The biggest modern technology we had was something called a beeper. You called a number and punched in your number, and then you had a little device on your belt, and it beeped. And when a kid had a beeper in 1990, everybody assumed he was up to no good. 
Now I sound like an old man on the porch in a rocking chair, drinking my lemonade, yelling for those pesky kids to get off my lawn. But May of 1990 was a very special time in Reds history as well. The team was in the middle of their famous wire-to-wire, or as my people would say, war-to-war, World Series winning season, which was the last year that they did win the World Series, 1990. 31 years since the Reds won a World Series. Back then, the Nasty Boys were closing games. Eric Davis was trying to live up to his 1986 and 1987 seasons. MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice were the biggest musical groups on earth. All true statements, whether you agree with them or not. By the way, people forget this about Eric Davis. Go back and look up Eric Davis from June of 86 until July of 87. That's as good a stretch run as any Red player has ever had. It really is incredible. He could never put up those magical numbers again because very few players in the history of Major League Baseball could ever do anything like that. That's how good he was for that year, summer of 86 until summer of 87. It never was the same for him after that, but wow, that one year was amazing. Yesterday, the Reds pulled off a feat they hadn't accomplished since May of 1990. They won a four-game series in St. Louis. We aren't even talking about a four-game sweep. Just talking about winning three out of four. And yesterday, the Reds won the way they usually do these days. Just praying that that bullpen, still 29th in Major League Baseball in ERA, can hold a lead. And breathing a sigh of relief when they actually do. In a 6-4 win yesterday, where Shogo Akiyama, who's been an, an MIA in the lineup, He was a defensive substitution that David Bell actually got right as Shogo actually made a diving catch on the last out of the game when Lucas Sims was this close to blowing yet another eighth or ninth inning lead. I understand David Bell says he has no closers. Oh, what a modern-day thing to to say. What an analytics money ball thing to say. He claims he plays matchups. But I'm sorry, T.J. Antone needs to be pitching the ends of these games, not Lucas Sims. Lucas Sims' ERA is over three times higher than Antone's. Why didn't T.J. Antone pitch the eighth inning and throw only ten pitches and then get taken out for Lucas Sims in the ninth? Was that based on matchups too? They're both right-handed. What did I miss here? Couldn't send old Antone back out for the ninth? Ten pitches wore him out, huh? Wow. Okay, David Bell. As we've been asking for weeks now, who gets the next save opportunity for the Reds' bullpen in the next game, whatever it is, is anyone's guess. Even David Bell can't tell you. He can't tell you the answer to that question, even if he wanted to. Fantasy baseball players moved on from that disaster in April, not June. But yesterday, Tyler Malley lowered his ERA on the year to 3.32, and solidified his standing as the Reds' best starting pitcher in 2021. Nick Castellanos now has a 21-game hitting streak, if you could believe that. Not even halfway to Pete Rose's 44-game hitting streak back in 1978. Can you believe that? 
If he gets a hit today, Castellanos, he will have exactly half of Pete Rose's 44-game hitting streak, which is one of the first memories I have in Major League Baseball. And to this day, still one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Go on YouTube. There are videos devoted to the last 8, 10 games of that streak. Just go back and look at the the hubbub of that Pete Rose 44-game hitting streak. Baseball, was a, it was a different world then. The game was played differently. There were fa- there were 30-plus thousand fans in Atlanta to watch a lousy Braves team just because they wanted to see that hitting streak continue. That's how much things have changed over the years. Even ABC, they were showing Monday Night Baseball. They interrupted their usual content. They interrupted like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley so they could show Pete Rose trying to extend that hitting streak when he got in the 40s. That's how big baseball was back then. You're not going to see that today out of ABC or Fox or anybody like that. And don't even think about Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. Pete Rose's streak was so incredible, but it was still 12 short of DiMaggio. So let's wait a few weeks before we claim Nick Castellanos is going to break the Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak anytime soon. But a moment of silence for David Bell's experiment of batting our old pal, Eugenio Suarez, leadoff for almost two weeks. The thing lasted two weeks. Even with Joey Votto last year, Votto batted leadoff 21 games. David Bell couldn't even last that long with Suarez this year. Suarez, the leadoff experiment, it looks like it's over now. When he was batting first, Suarez went 8 for 38 with a 211 batting average and 10 strikeouts. Oh, he was terrible, right? Well, that 211 batting average, it's a lot better than his batting average for the season, which sits at 160 right now. So how did Suarez celebrate being moved back down to sixth in the lineup, closer to where he deserves to be right now? Maybe on the bench, but that's another story. He had a big home run yesterday, his 13th of the season. How can a guy that is killed on the bottom line every week have 13 home runs, be on pace to hit 38, and you guys on that show, you kill him every time that uh, you start talking about the Reds. Well, if you're watching these games, it's obvious. He's trying to hit a home run literally every time he swings the bat. I understand you want to swing hard every time, blah, blah, blah. But when you're hitting 160 heading into the second week of June, maybe your approach needs to change just a little. I'm just saying. Rookie Jonathan India is the new leadoff hitter slash guinea pig. And he's now hitting 261 on the season. After going 0 for 15 from April 25th through May 12th, when it was almost 100%, he was going to get sent down to the minor leagues. It's amazing what a trip to Colorado and Coors Field will do for a hitter. That's when India kind of changed things around for himself. Coors Field, the elixir for any bad hitter. What a shocking development. That's all we talk about on this show, the old Rocky Shuffle, if you're a loyal listener. From May 12th on, Jonathan India has been on fire, though. He's hit 328 in the last 20 games, basically solidifying his spot in the lineup finally and now getting that leadoff spot. But even with this current three-game losing streak, is it really time to think that the Reds have stuck it to the Cardinals once and for all? Because the Cardinals... That's the old, that's the new bitter rival for the Reds. 
Back when I was a kid, the Dodgers, it was the biggest rivalry in baseball was the Dodgers and Reds when I was a kid just following baseball. And then the Reds had other rivals, and then the divisions got switched, and then it's become the Cardinals in recent years. Some people can argue the Cubs, maybe the Brewers, but it's the Cardinals right now, mainly because the Cardinals always win, and the Reds rarely do. But today at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, a game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5 today at 145. Reds and Cardinals as the Redbirds try to salvage, there's that word again, that nobody uses in the real world, salvage the final game of this four-game series. Wade Miley for the Reds, 5-4 and four on the season, 3.26 ERA. John Gant for the Cards, 4-3 and three on the season, but a very impressive 1.60 ERA. John Gant, not the former Brave and Red Ron Gant, who was a regular at Lulu's Bait Shack, drinking Kool-Aid out of a fishbowl through a big straw back in the day. And if you get that reference, you're already a friend of this show, I can promise you. But John Gant has been great this season. His ERA plus 235, where an average pitcher is 100. One thing Gant does not do well, though, he leads the league in walks with 34. Those are great numbers, but investing in John Gant, not exactly the best thing you've been able to do in his history. The Cardinals, in his 38 career starts, the Cardinals are 17-21 and 21 in those starts with a negative 3.7% return on investment. When Gant pitches at home, it gets worse. In home starts, John Gant has started 20 times for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 7-13 and 13 in those starts with a negative 32.4% return on investment. P.U. But this year... Gant's best season by far in his career. Things have turned around for him a little bit. The Cardinals are 6-4 when he starts this year, plus 36% return on investment if you've invested blindly in him every single time. Back on April 24th, John Gant faced Wade Miley. The same pitching matchup we have today, the same matchup happened on April 24th. The Cardinals were a minus 108 in that game, which means basically it was a toss-up. St. Louis won that game 2 to nothing. Gant did not give up a run. Gant has been very good against the Reds in his career. 5-1 and one record, 2.54 ERA, but he's only started once. He has 18 relief appearances against the Reds. Hence the 5-1 and one record. He must have gotten some vultures there somewhere. But Wade Miley goes to the Reds today. It's been a very eventful month for Wade Miley. A no-hitter on May 7th. Seems like a long time ago, but he pitched a no-hitter on May 7th. The next start, he gave up eight earned runs in three innings. Then he went to the injured list. Then he came back on Memorial Day to take down the Phillies. So which Wade Miley do we expect today? Who knows? I do know he's making $8 million this year, so he better start doing something soon or else... He won't be around next year when the Reds hold their option. In his career, Wade Miley's been around. His teams are 136 up and 123 down when he starts. Career return on investment, if you invest in him every start, 0.9%. Still good. He still made something. On the road, like he is today, he's the nicest pitcher in Major League history with a record of 69 wins and 69 losses. Return on investment of 4%. It's pretty good. 
against the Cardinals lifetime. Wade Miley has started five nine times, went four and five with a 3.91 ERA. St. Louis is a favorite in this one today, about minus 115, so it's kind of a toss-up for both sides. Slight, slight edge in the desert to St. Louis. So the desert doesn't really have a true good feel for it. The Reds threw their back end of their bullpen out yesterday. They threw Antone, they threw Sims. While the cards closer, Alex Rance, he hasn't pitched in five days. So he'll probably pitch today, regardless of the score. Look for that. We haven't seen any retaliation for all those hit-by-pitches that the Reds got earlier in the series. Might see one today before they leave town, especially if they're going to win this game and go up 4-0, just to say, smell you later. Miley hasn't been the same pitcher since it's no-hitter, which includes a stay on the injured list. Regardless of the no-no, John Gant is a better pitcher than Wade Miley. I'm sorry. He just is. We would take that Cardinals line up to minus 120 in this one. Anything higher than that, eh, we'd probably lay off. And remember, before you get upset, we're going, why are you taking the Cardinals? How dare you do that? You want to bet numbers and prices, not teams and people. We're going to take the cards up to minus 120 today. Now our pick for this one, based on the better starting pitcher, a much more rested back end of your bullpen, and quite frankly, the better team, Playing at home, despite that three-game winning streak that the Reds have right now over the Cards. But even with this current three-game winning streak over their bitter rival, the Cardinals, this team still sits at 27-29, and 29, the Reds do, fourth place in the National League Central, four games behind the Brewers, who are now leading the National League Central. Wait a minute, who has been preaching since March that the Brewers are going to win this division? Oh, yeah, oh, we did. Oh, well. Funny how that happened. But the Reds pulling off a four-game series win over the Cardinals yesterday for the first time since 1990. Good news for the Reds, right? But if the Reds really want to go back in time, back to the future, so to speak, and relive 1990 when the Nasty Boys were the best bullpen ever and they won the World Series, Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts was the biggest movie in the world, and Ice Ice Baby was actually a thing instead of a punchline, This Reds team has a long way to go before they can turn back the clock and say that they are going to win the World Series. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up after the break, it's the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. By the way, this is the best Queen song for me. That's just Bohemian Rhapsody. Come on, Dead Air Dennis, do better than that. Got uh, chiming in on our text machine here. Uh, Our good friend Alan Stein, who's uh, our Reds expert here at ESPN Radio, uh, he just told me, well, take Wade Miley for the win today, for the sweep. Uh, I get it. I get it. Don't mess with a streak. Kevin Costner told us that in in, uh, Bull Durham when he was Crash Davis telling Nuke Lelouch, Tim Robbins, don't mess with a streak, except he didn't use the word mess. Uh, I see it. I just think, you know, best pitcher for the Reds today, uh, Cardinals today, had the better pitcher, rested bullpen. It just kind of all lines up for the Cardinals more than any other game in this series. I think uh, them losing Flaherty to the IL really hurt them yesterday especially. Every time I pick the Reds on this show or pick against them, I get a lot of flack. 
via the text. Like, why you always pick against Reds? You always pick against Kentucky, too. You're just being a troll. I've been, people in this building have called me a troll when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, what do you want me to do? You want me to come in this show and pick the Reds every night? Nobody goes 162-0 and last time I checked. You want me to pick uh, Kentucky football to go 15-0, and national champions? Oh, wait, that's the fanboys across town who do that. But we tell it like it is. I'm not being a troll. I give data and research why I pick these teams when I pick them. So we don't say stuff like, well, Kentucky's going to win because they're farred up. Well, being farred up doesn't change the odds out in the desert. The desert just laughs at people who think like that. The desert also takes the money from people who think like that. So if you want to hear the local team, you know, fanboys, this ain't the show for you. And if you want to hear it like it is and hopefully cash some tickets, well, you come to the right place and speaking of cashing tickets. We know you're why you're here. It's time for our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner? Head on down to Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. Light up that Mac Daddy even before the game ends. As they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. Our friends Jake and Autumn down there, they treat us like kings every time we walk in. That's jakescigarbar.com, jakescigarbar.com. Tell them the bottom line sent you. You'll get the royal treatment. As we said earlier, if you didn't cash tickets yesterday after listening to this show, you might as well schedule some time with your psychologist this week to figure out what you're doing with your life. Brian Howard of Stable Duel, our official bottom line horse racing expert, Peyron Harris of Richmond, even our nemesis and fanboy of 80s hairband winger, dead air Dennis Dillon, classic rock 92.1. All of our experts yesterday gave you essential quality to win the Belmont. Usually when uh, all the experts are on one team or one thing, you want to go the other way. Yesterday, probably not the best way to do that, so congratulations and thank you to our horse racing experts who came on and gave us picks yesterday. Thank you for helping us cash some tickets. NBA last night, the Nets, as correct, another game correctly predicted here on the bottom line, the Nets, four-point favorites, they went off. They won by eight in the first round of that series. They went under the total of two. Favorites now, 30-13 and 13 straight up in the NBA playoffs. 28 and 15 against the spread. Uh, hello, 65.1%. Three weeks now, we've been telling you take the favorites, especially the ones that are getting the majority of the money. I can't help you. I can't walk you to the window, ladies and gentlemen. I can only tell you what to do. Today, we got two games to choose from Hawks and Sixers. Game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Sixers open two and a half point home favorites. Early money. Was with Philly. The line went up to three. But uh, the big elephant in the room here, Joel Embiid. Is he going to play or not? Uh, we'll find out closer to game time. And uh, expect the line to jump either way, depending on his status for this series. All I know is when you hear a guy getting a torn meniscus, I don't think he's going to be playing, but he's going to try. We'll see. And, of course, the trend we've been giving the whole playoffs. When you see a favorite getting the majority of the money in the last 15 years, those teams hit 61.8%. That's Philly today. Regardless of the Embiid story, we're going to take Philly. We're going to take them against the Hawks today in game one of that series. But a big game seven this afternoon, Dallas and the Clippers. We, uh, After falling down early in this series, the Clippers have made a comeback. Of course, we had the Clippers going all the way to the finals, so well, let's hope that they win this one. Remember, favorites in this one. Favorites are big against the spread so far in this uh, playoffs. The Clippers started as a six-point favorite 
all the way up to six and a half. I've seen some sevens around. So uh, the public's on the Clippers. This is a game I don't want to be with, though. I don't want to be on the Mavericks today getting seven. Getting seven. I'm going to pass on this one, but we are going to take the Sixers today. And in Major League Baseball, yesterday, favorites went eight and six. Always taking the dogs in baseball. We love that. Biggest upset, the Tigers, plus 205. Some really good value today. If you're looking at teams like Houston, Detroit again. Uh, Oakland has a lot of value. The Red Sox against the Yankees. But the team we're going with tonight, Arizona, plus 205 over Milwaukee and Burns. Burns has been one of the best starters in Major League Baseball this year for Milwaukee. After four starts, he had an ERA 0.37. Now his ERA 2.24 in his last going forward. In his last five starts, his ERA almost four. Huh. Now you're telling me I can get two to one going against a pitcher who doesn't nearly have the goods that he had in April? I'll take some of that action. Arizona on a four-game losing streak. All the squares will be against them. Don't mess with the streak. Give us the Diamondbacks today as a big dog in this one. We all we see uh, Caleb Smith for Arizona. He's got a 3.32 ERA on the season. He's not a bad pitcher. You're going to give us 2-1? to one? Yeah, we'll take some of that. Arizona, plus 205 most places. We'll take some of that. So our Mac Daddy Stogies today, we like Philly giving up three against the Hawks. Make sure to look at the Embiid information. We're going to pass on the Clippers. I think it's too many points for Game 7. By the way, Mike want to look to go under in Game 7s. Not only in this, but you hockey freaks out there. Unders in Game 7s are always a good trend to do. And we'll take Arizona in Major League Baseball at 2-1 to one odds. That's it for our Mac Daddy Stogies for today. We hope you cashed in yesterday. We had a huge day on this show. Thanks, everybody, for our uh, congratulations and for listening. But coming up after the break, our good friend Anthony Combs, he's going to tell us about the sports card memorabilia industry. How can we cash in? How can schmucks like us just go down and purchase some cards and make big money? We'll hear about that after the break right here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And our next guest will go down in the annals of history in our book. He should not be judged harshly for being a fan of the Boston Red Sox and Duke basketball, which this man correctly predicted Duke's national championship in 2015 when the rest of us had Kentucky. But with the recent robberies of sports card businesses here in Central Kentucky, this was the perfect time for this man to come on to tell us about the industry as a whole and how average Joes like us can make some money on it. He's our friend, Anthony Combs. Anthony, thank you for joining us here on The Bottom Line. Hey, good morning, Brad. Uh, glad to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Anytime, buddy. Before we get down to business, I know you're a very proud Duke basketball fan. And for a man living here in Central Kentucky, you are a brave man for sure. We addressed this on the show yesterday, but I already know your version is a lot different than ours. So tell us your thoughts on Coach K's retirement tour coming up next season. Uh, well, Brad, I'll tell you, it, Wednesday was a difficult day for me within I don't know, like four hours of each other, my two favorite sports teams or two favorite basketball teams lost uh, lost their head coaches. You know, uh, Coach K retired and then Brad Stevens being promoted, Danny Ainge quitting. And I think one is symptomatic of the other. Danny Ainge made the comment that when his players weren't upset about Kyrie stomping on the logo, that he realized, I can't connect with this generation of players. And I think Coach K, in a different sense of, uh, you know, biblically, there's a there's a season for everything, right? 
And Amen. I think Coach K realizes that 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 maybe his time has come. He listen, he's been incredible, and and I'm biased, but I would have a hard time taking anyone serious who would tell me otherwise that he's the best college basketball coach of all time. He's won more games. He's won all these championships, and he did it with a you know a program that was was on the verge of shutting down. Uh, and he's done a great job with it. So um, I, I'm I'm sad to see him go, but it, you know I'm optimistic for the program. That uh, well, I, I'm I'm not optimistic for the program at all. I don't I don't feel uh, I, I feel very bad for John Shire. I think he's going to have a rough rough road ahead of him. But um, you know it. it, it the time has come, and, and he needs to enjoy himself. It sounds like he's not going to separate himself from the program too much, but, you know, I, I hope he has a great retirement. I hope this year's special for Duke. It would be nice to see him go out with a championship. I know I'm the one person in Fayette County that's going to say that, but, you know, I was the one person that said they would win a championship in 15, and, and I got that right. So hopefully I can get that right one more time. I'm sure the members of the Big Blue Nation who are listening right now want the last two minutes of their life back. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get down to business. The sports card industry, Anthony, it's taken off in the last year or so. A lot of people blame it on the COVID. But we're about the same age. We were kids. You know, baseball cards were a thing in the 80s, you know. But in the 2000s, oh, yeah. it seemed like it was a dead business. But it's back now. Is this industry, is it due for a comeback or is this here to stay? Brad, I think it is here to stay at least for the foreseeable future. You know, I, I'm not a person that thinks that the the rise in popularity, everything comes and goes. But the rise in popularity, you're very much correct. COVID had a massive amount to do with it. Uh, you know, the only places that, that were packed every single day at the beginning of this COVID pandemic were Lowe's and Home Depot. People were doing things around their house because they couldn't do things anywhere else. You know, you can only paint so many rooms and, and remodel so many cabinets. And finally, you got to start cleaning stuff out. And I think people came across these old sports cards and nostalgia set in. Um, and it made them want to go find new cards. So so the, the popularity came back. And I think the biggest difference between today versus when you and I were collecting, you know, the, the coveted 89 Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck. Yeah. Um, man, they say Ken Griffey himself has like 600 of those cards. So the, the cards of today, even though the production has gone up to meet some more of the demand, it is still nowhere near the amount of production we were seeing in the late 80s, early 90s, what they call the wax junk era. Mm -hmm. So I do think the uh, the hobby is here to stay, and it's, it's stronger than it's ever been. I mean, cards are selling for... You know, four and a half million dollars for a Luka Doncic card. That is a lot of money for a piece of cardboard, Brad. So uh, there's something here, and and if you want to get involved in it, you better do it now. Yeah, there's one card shop here in Lexington that was uh, taken down for $25,000 earlier this week. They went in and just robbed them. Another card shop in town was robbed in May. There was a shop in Louisville. And someone cut a hole in the roof like Mission Impossible and just dropped through the roof. Have we gone too far, though? Because Target, they've already said we're going to stop selling these cards because somebody drew a gun at one of their stores. Where is? How can people like us make money? Because somebody's making money off this stuff. How can schmucks like us make some money off this? Yeah, well, you see, Brad, that's kind of the thing about it is, is 
I, I recently just got back into the hobby with my son, Abram. We, uh, during COVID, we were doing uh, NTI schooling, and, and everything was happening at the house, and, and we, we needed something to do. So, you know, he had a little bit of a desire to start a YouTube channel, and I thought, well, I know enough about sports, and he likes sports, so, so let's try this. Little did I know what I was getting myself into. Um, it's tough. It, it is a tough business. If you go to a, 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 in Lexington, a Walmart or, or Meyer, because like you said, Target is not selling in store anymore. If you go to a Walmart or a Meyer on a Thursday, Friday, you are bound to see uh, a line of, of, of what 10 years ago would have been, you know, middle-aged men in sweatpants. It, it has now turned into, you see everything. You see men, women, children. You see uh, grandmothers. It, it, it's crazy. You see businessmen. I, I see people that run, you know, guys who have successful six-figure salaries waiting in line for up to three and four hours and sometimes even more just to get their hands on the release. It's, it's really a phenomenon I never thought I would ever see and definitely didn't think I'd be a part of, but... The nice thing I have seen is that it's grown a community, and a lot of people in Lexington look out for each other. Unfortunately, like you said, we've had a string of break-ins. Not only the three you mentioned, uh, we have seen people going into the back at Walmart and, and taking cars out. A, a man was arrested recently uh, in a central Kentucky Walmart for going in the back and taking cars out. So, you know, if you want to get into it and try and find a way to do it, I, I, making money on it is... is is not easy, but it does require, uh, but it's not, I, say, I should say it's not hard. It requires hustle and smarts. The biggest way if you want to make money in this industry is to not be sentimental about anything. Uh, my go. son and I have made more money on LaMelo Ball than LaVar Ball made on him, I believe. So but then, just can't fall in love with these guys. We preach that all the time on this show. You know, when you're picking teams... We go back to Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, take emotion out of it. Leave emotion at the door because it clouds the judgment, and you're doing it perfectly just like we do when we're trying to pick games. We leave emotion out of it too. It's a perfect way to try to go around making some money in these things. But, I mean, you talked about it earlier. The Luka Doncic card, $4.5 million. Mickey Mantle went for $5.2 million in January. LeBron went for $5.2 million in April. Now we have things called... Uh, top Shot, NBA Top Shot. They're digital collectibles. You can just go online and get those. Are those worth anything investing in? Because I know people were trying to get in waiting lines for those just to get internet versions of them. Yeah, so so full disclosure, at 42 years old and a guy who can barely send an email to two people at the same time, the NFT market, uh, which is what Top Shot is, and Tops now has their own, and uh, Major League Baseball has started theirs. There has to be something there, Brad, because young people are lining up and pumping money into it, just like cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't know anything about any of it, uh, but I do know that there is there's there's some hype for it. Uh, I think Top Shot has had some struggles with trying to move things around and get things involved. And um, you know, you have some influencers that are really pushing it. Gary Vee being one of those guys. Also, on the other side of the coin, you have Bill Simmons who is anti-NFT, so uh, it's. I'll be interested to see where that market goes. I don't think we're going to know, probably we're not going to know what that market is going to be like for another 18 months, and unfortunately by that time, it's going to be too late to really hit in it. 
Um, you know, you'll be that guy who could have bought Apple stock for three dollars, and then now you realize you could never work another day if you'd have bought a few of those. But it's an interesting market, and and to be honest, I think there's money to be made there. I just don't understand it, so I try to stay away from it and, and keep myself in the cardboard, if you know what I mean. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor with our special guest, Anthony Combs. Hey, these uh, grades, these PSA grades, is it worth it to get all your cards graded, especially ones you think might have a little value, or is it just, you know, pomp and circumstance signifying nothing? Yeah, so PSA is actually not even taking submissions right now because the grading craze went haywire overnight because people were sending these cards in and getting them back, and they were they were flooding the doors of PSA, overwhelming the graders to where your turnaround time at PSA right now is, is, is up to a year, 13 months on just a standard submission. Um, if you were to open a pack and pull, uh, you know, like, like something that's just recently come out as the NBA Prism basketball, if you were to open up and get a LaMelo Ball rookie card, uh, an autograph, nice card or numbered card, you would need to express that, and that card may be worth a raw value of seven or $800, but if it scores a PSA 10, it may be worth five or 6000 So there is value in grading, but you just have to be smart on what you grade. Uh, I saw a guy in a group I'm in on Facebook had recently got a submission back that had the 91 Hoops Bill Jackson coaches card that he had submitted. That card is not worth grading. <laughs> a perfect 10 on that card is worth about 30 bucks. It costs 30 to submit it. So uh, there is value in grading, and it's a nice, it's a very niche thing. Um, for me, I personally like graded cards, but I try to only do graded for my personal collection. So. When we were kids, we would go to the store, and we'd buy these little packs for 25 cents a pop with that little stale piece of chewing gum in it. I used to harass my mom every time we went to the store. Give me 25 cents so I got baseball cards. But it's a little different today. A local businessman was talking about this 10-year-old kid pulling out a card of a pack that he bought that was worth $10,000 just from a $70 pack that he bought recently. But still, that's $70. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have $70 to blow when I was 10 years old. In your opinion, what's the best way for someone who has nothing right now to get started in this? Is it to go out and just buy these cards and packs? Or is it maybe to go on eBay and try to find some kind of deal for these big high prices? Uh, personally, I think if you're, if you're trying to invest and, and make money, uh, if you're buying packs, sealed packs, uh, the only way to do that is to flip. You know, and here's the thing, you can buy a pack of, uh, you can buy a box of cards or what they call a blaster box or a hanger box at, at Target or Walmart or wherever. Uh, you can pay 20 bucks for it, and, and I've seen them turn, much, turn back as much, you know, overnight as a, a 200, you know, a two times or three times value. Um, that's probably not my preferred way because I like to be in the hobby, so I like to open and I don't want to pay that price for them. And one thing I found is you very rarely get whatever that resale value is. Very rarely do you get that back out of those packs that you pay for. Um, I like the eBay market, uh, Brad. I like the card show market because there's negotiations available. You know, I recently was on, I'm in a Facebook group, and a guy was having a sale uh, right before the playoffs started, and I bought a uh, John Morant optic-rated rookie and a Julius Randle prism rookie. Uh, right before the playoffs started, I put $40 in those two cards. 
was my investment. Uh, currently, two cards sales on eBay. Uh, the total for the two was about ninety bucks. So you know, I, I make my money back if I want to. Now I'm holding those two long term because I think they're players that are going to have some some hobby potential down the road. But that's the way I go. You know, it's very hard to pull. Like right now, the hottest baseball card to get your hands on is either the the uh, 2019 Fernando Tatis Topps rookie or the uh, 2018 Ronald Acuna bat down. The odds of pulling those out of a pack, when you're looking at sets that have 700 cards in them, the odds of pulling those one card, are, you know, they're not very good. Right. So if you want to get them, you're better. You may spend, you must. You might have to open 200 packs, and you're talking at $20 a pack. You know, that's a lot of money yeah. to get those cards that are worth nine. Nine hundred to a thousand bucks. So if you want them, I just say buy them and then hold them because those guys, in my opinion, their value is not going to go down. So hold them and, and and flip them when you're ready. Right. A lot of this is is holding. That's a that's a lot of what this business is. I'm personally looking for that Billy Ripken one. I'm still trying to look for that one. What's the best car that you have in your collection right now, Anthony? Uh, well, I, in our personal collection right now, I have a uh, you know. Other than some of the older stuff I have, I've got a lot of King Griffey rookies. Uh, probably the best card I have from a modern perspective is a Zion Williamson uh, NBA Hoops Premium Stock Silver uh, rookie, which uh, is is getting graded currently. Uh, if it scores a nine, it's probably a you know a seven eight hundred dollar card. If it hits to a ten, it, it could be a, a thirteen to fifteen hundred. Uh, now my daughter has a uh, silver. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu Prism Rookie at PSA currently. Uh, a 10 on that currently is about an $800 card. Uh, but certainly, I feel like Sabrina, if anybody's going to bring the NBA, the WNBA to a higher level, it is Sabrina. And that card could have a massive value down the road. So those two are some big ones. And then uh, my partner in crime, Trader Aid, his Bo Bichette collection uh, rivals pretty much anyone. So uh, he's got the Bo Bichette cards for day right there's going to be a uh, kentucky card collector con uh event here in uh lexington next month anthony we appreciate your time this morning tell us where we can find you on social media and any kind of uh things you've got going on that you can tell the people about that we can follow yeah absolutely so our primary uh means of, of communication is through instagram and it is at trader aid 33 uh and we have a youtube channel which is trader aids Sports Cards and Collectibles, Abe, just like Abe Lincoln. Uh, Sports Cards and Collectibles, my son and I run that channel. Uh, it's a good family-friendly channel, so you're, you're never going to have to worry about anything bad being on there. Uh, we have a good time. I open a lot of cards. As a matter of fact, just this past Friday, we were the first YouTube channel to uh, preview the top Series 2 set. So uh, we've been getting a lot of traction there. So you can find us there. We'd love for you to subscribe and, and, and join in the conversation. And, and we're always open to trades and and bargaining, so we'd love to uh, love to connect with you. He's Anthony Combs. He's a good man. He's a good friend. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us and telling us how we, the little schleps like us, could make some money off this sports card business boom. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, anytime, Brad. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. That's Anthony Combs. He's a sports card collector extraordinaire, and with all the uh, recent robberies going on in Lexington lately, uh, he was like, hey, let me come on your show and talk about the sports cards and what's going on. And we were happy to have him. So we appreciate him, uh, his time this morning.
Coming up after the break, we're uh, going to get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio and get you ready for the Angelo Show. Coming up at the top of the hour, that's next here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We want to thank our good friend Anthony Combs for joining us today. Talk about the world of collectibles and sports cards. It was interesting. Uh, kid like me had a bunch of sports cards, and then I... Kind of grew out of it for three decades or so. But hey, you get the fever. Get back into it, man. You start seeing stuff like that. Seeing all these people make money. Hey, where can I get on that stuff? There's people robbing stores. It must be big somewhere. Today on ESPN Radio, don't forget that the uh, Reds will be playing the Cardinals. 145 here on ESPN Radio. 1,394.5. 92.5. What am I talking about? I just saw the Reds lineup. India will be leading off again today. India Winker. Castellanos, Suarez, back down to sixth again where he belongs. Thankfully, at least he's not leaning off anymore. Reds are still a slight underdog. Cards are minus 115 in this one. We like the cards up to about minus 120. You know, Gantt is just a better pitcher than Miley. It's our opinion. That's what the numbers tell us. Uh, so we'll take the cards today. Slight in this one. We thank you so much for listening to the bottom line. Uh, Angelo is not going to be here today. He is on assignment. And uh, we apologize for kind of previewing that and then uh, kind of backing out. But Angela will be back next week for his usual time slot at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We'll look forward to seeing him then. And uh, we thank you again for listening to The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective presented by Stable Duel. Make sure to email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. So until the next time, as always... And if you listened to us yesterday, you know what we're talking about. May the winners be yours.